0: Fit toys. This episode is sponsored by Wondrium. Uh, Wondrium is a great uh, website that has tons of videos. Some are lectures, some are documentaries, and they've got a huge, huge variety of subjects. Uh, this week I watched a documentary called Finding Fela. Fela Kuti was this amazing uh, Nigerian musician, he invented Afrobeat. But he was also a, um, he fought the government with his music, Um, he was incredibly brave, and he also had these personal demons and this dark side that could be really repulsive in ways. So a complex figure, and I think really kind of what runs through the whole thing is is mental health. So um, if you're going to do Wondrium, which I recommend, uh, check out Finding Fela. Uh, So... Give your metal well-being the boost it needs with Wondrium. Right now, Wondrium is offering you guys 50% off your first three months. That's half off when you sign up for your first quarterly plan. A fantastic deal. Sign up today through my special URL to get this offer. Go to wondrium.com mental. Again, that's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot slash mental. Wondrium.com slash metal. Welcome to episode 620 with you, the listener, and your anonymous confessions filled out through uh, our website at metalpod.com. We did a similar episode back in uh, August and people really seem to uh, to like that. So uh, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to anybody who drives faster than they're comfortable with so uh, a tailgater isn't mad at you. Welcome to everyone who eats dinner over the sink like a badger on its hind legs so you don't have to wash a fork. Welcome to everyone who missed an appointment because you watched a high-speed chase in real time and rewound the shootout. To everyone who's worn the same shirt for a week and told yourself it was okay because you were never sweaty and you're actually lowering your water bill and helping with the drought. To anyone who grew up with a dad that never talked and a mom that never stopped. Welcome anyone whose favorite holiday moment is when everybody leaves. Oh, that sweet silence. To everybody who thinks standing up for yourself is greedy, asking for help is weak, and your depression is just you being lazy. Welcome. Welcome anybody who lets narcissists dominate conversations because you don't want to appear rude by saying something. And especially welcome to anyone who trusts pets more than people. I hope, if you're new, you find this to be a, a place where you can relate. This is an awfulsome moment, and this is filled out by Elia. And uh, this is, this is uh, from a way back episode, and... Uh, those of you that may be long-term listeners, you might recognize this one again, but uh, I enjoy it. So I'm reading it again. My podcast, Fuck Off. <laughs> Elia writes, This is not actually my awfulsome moment, but I'm sharing it anyway because of its perfection. It came from a friend of my boyfriend, so I've given them fake names and left out location names. And of course, I'm paraphrasing the conversation. So, John comes into Bob's store one day looking utterly shell-shocked. Bob asks, "What's wrong?" John says, "My dad just killed himself last night. He jumped in front of a train." Bob says, "Oh my god. That's horrible. Can I do anything for you?" John mumbles, "Well, I'm I'm pretty hungry. Can we go get something to eat? How about that Euro place down the road?" Bob says, "Yeah, let's go." They do so. As they walk in, John gets a very strange look on his face. The Euro restaurant, for reasons that are a mystery, was decorated floor to ceiling with train memorabilia. Bob knew this, but had gotten food there so many times and was so familiar with the place that there may as well have been a blank white wall. Bob said, oh my God, John, I'm so sorry. We can go someplace else. John's quiet for a moment, his eyes taking in the decor, and he calmly says, no, this is perfect. This is from the Love Survey. This is filled out by a person who calls himself Sleepy Wonder. I believe <laughs> I believe that's the sister of Stevie Wonder. It was just sitting there on the tee, Somebody put that ball right there. Handed me a bat. How am I I not going to swing at that? Uh, And they write, I love my cat and how much he loves to steal bread. My family and friends call him the bread thief. And even though it's so frustrating when he manages to snag a slice or loaf of bread, it's also hilarious to follow the bread crumbs and find his cheeky face nibbling away at the forbidden feast. I love how... Through my and my dad's depression, we have grown closer. We have both succumbed to being as open as we can be with our emotions and thoughts, which has been so healing for us. I love how vulnerable and open I can be with my parents now and how much work they've done on themselves too. I love how they realize that love is what matters most and how they have warmly and excitedly welcomed my girlfriend into our family. I love how my mom apologized for saying a few years ago that she couldn't handle having a gay child. I love the tears of joy, relief, and acceptance that dad, mom, and I shared as I came out to them last year. I love their love. And I love that survey. That was awesome. Thank you for those. This is from the Psych Ward Experiences uh, survey filled out by a uh, woman who calls herself Knuckles and peanut butter. That is an image. Uh, she's in her 40s. And uh, why were you hospitalized? I was locked up on voluntary 5153 times because I'm bipolar 2 and was self-medicating with large amounts of alcohol. The depression always came on and I tried to end my life more than once in non-violent ways, pills mostly. My family, worried about me, called 911 a couple of times. My young daughter was witness to all of this. Describe your experience. The hospitals were filthy, unsanitary, filled with violent and frightening men and women, even though I was nonviolent and was not considered a threat to others. I was ambivalent regarding my own life. Nurses were overwhelmed, underpaid, and put up with far too much shit doctors were few and far between and never seemed to get around to me. I once spent nine days in the funny farm because the fucking MD never showed up to release me. It never helped. Making bracelets and coloring did nothing but pass the time. Never have I used these things to cope with life. Hospitalization was more like a fate worse than death. Sadly, uh, those are all too common. Those experiences that I read, I say it all the time. But man, uh, I I really hope we get to a place in the future where we can look back at this and see see this as the dark ages of how we fund and treat uh, mental health crises. Uh, this is also from the psych ward experiences, and uh, this is filled out by Fallen Angel Twenty Four, and uh, she's in her thirties. And uh, why were you hospitalized? Depressive episode to manic episode back to depressive self-harm, eventually suicidal ideation. I think that's called the hokey pokey. Describe your experience. It had its ups and downs. I felt safe and tried to make connections involved in groups. Uh, Really tried to figure out how to deal and grow. It was a little weird, too. Uh, There were some very angry, violent people some into me slash making me uncomfortable. Overall, I felt good that I had made it to the hospital. It got me on a healing path. I'm not seeing a psychiatrist and therapist. Uh, Oh, I think they meant to say I am now. I am now seeing a psychiatrist and therapist and on medication. It it is really amazing the uh, variety of experiences that people have in psych wards. This is from the Ask Paul Anything survey, and this is filled out by Shona, and uh, she writes, How do I respect my 18-year-old son's boundaries but also address how his lack of appreciation hurts me as a parent? It doesn't matter what I do as a parent. I've never had him outwardly show that he cares or appreciates me as his mom. I know he has trouble with showing affection in general. I've listened to every episode of the Mental Illness Happy Hour, and I take in how Paul's relationship troubles with his mother has affected him uh, his whole life, and I've ensured I encourage things like body autonomy, respect for his boundaries, and privacy. I've probably overcompensated in other areas due to his father leaving when he was a toddler. I'm terrified of screwing mothering up. I've grown up with an abusive and dysfunctional parent, so my need for some reassurance that I'm not failing, is likely being uh, carried into my parenting, and I hate that about myself. Aside from therapy, do you have any advice, Paul? Well, my first thought, thought—that thank you for your question, by the way, and that's a really, really great question. Um, my first thought is he's an 18-year-old boy, and, you know, the kind of typical 18-year-old boy, they're not really uh, in in. A lot of them, I should say, are not too communicative. They're kind of wrapped up in their own shit and they haven't lived on their own yet. so they don't they haven't really built in appreciation for all the things that you do for them. And the, and the other things that kind of occurred to me as, as I read this is um, I'm not a parent, but um, I I think it might be a mistake to expect thankfulness uh, from a child, uh, I think it's probably healthier to hope that someday as they get older, there's an appreciation there. Um, but you know, parents don't raise kids as a favor to them. You, you chose to bring this child into the world and yeah, it fucking sucks that this kid isn't more appreciative. Um, and that, which leads me to my third thought, which is, uh, what about building a support network for your, for yourself, uh, finding people to share this with? You, you said other than therapy. Um, so, what about a support group or trusted friends uh, that that you can share this with? That may that might help lighten some of the load and uh, any kind of resentment that you're feeling towards him. But it sounds like you're. You're a fairly self-aware parent, Uh, so it sounds like you're um, you you got a good head start on uh, kind of getting to a place where you can find peace around accepting him for who he is, Uh, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't call him out on his lack of appreciation, you know, for for certain things, but for for you. Doing a job as his parent, um, that you know, I think that can really enter into a gray area of like, no, that's your job, um, but it's a it's a really great question and, and a complicated answer, uh, complicated topic, and I'm sure people who are parents uh, can probably weigh in on that uh, as as well. So what I'm really saying is, fuck me in my opinions. Is that? Is that a healthy summation? This episode and this podcast are sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Uh, You know, our our brain does not come with an owner's manual. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, I need help. With my uh, my crazy brain, and I've been getting help for years and years, and it has helped me not only support groups, but especially therapy has helped me get a a professional perspective on what's going on with me. And uh, you know, therapy is is never something that I'm like, oh yay, I get to I get to have a therapy session on on Monday, but every time. I do therapy, I feel better afterwards, and I feel like I have more information to get an objective uh, perspective on what's going on in my head. So, As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. And by the way, I love my therapist, Heidi. She's great, and she helps me with so, so much. So learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com mental. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, mental. And make sure you include this slash metal part so that they know you're you're coming from the podcast. This is from the Voice in Your Head survey, and this is filled out by Anne Marie. Uh, And she writes uh, to the question, what are some of the things you tell yourself about yourself? I'm a lazy slug. I would do anything if I could have a redo of my parenting skills at 24 so my kids would have had an easier life. I'm 100% responsible for every bit of pain and weakness my adult children have. I destroyed my children by getting divorced. I was the only consistent parent for every single need of my family before and after divorcing, but I'm a fuck-up mother for not being able to do better. It's all my fault. My body is never going to be seen naked ever again in front of myself or any other human because even though I'm thin, it's that out of shape from having babies. And I'm a lazy slob who doesn't go to the gym. I need to stay in the house so nobody can see me because I don't look or feel pretty as I was when I was younger. I'm an idiot for not figuring out how to go to college even though my mother was seriously physically, mentally, verbally, emotionally, and spiritually abusive. Drawing blood, bruising me, pulling out large portions of my long hair, kicking and pushing me and locking me in our cellar for punishment with lots of bugs that terrified the fuck out of me from elementary school age to 15 years old when she kicked me out of the house and moved with my siblings 3,000 miles away. And then this is in caps. But it's my fault I couldn't be a perfect mother. Wow. Wow. You know, it seems like, you know, with that last part, you, you... Truly understand that your brain is picking, picking on you, and I, you know, I just want to say you are still standing after everything that you've been through. You are a fucking badass, and you know, I don't have any. I, I, I don't, uh, you know, haven't cornered the market on wisdom about the mean voice in the head because I still battle that voice in my head, but um, the fact that you have moments where you realize it's not the truth and it's just something that's been wired from an abusive parent, and I mean, oh my God, the shit that you've been through, wow, and then any comments to make the podcast better, Uh, she said, please tell me uh, if you alter or speed up the voices of certain guests, Uh, always women who speak so fast. I can't sleep at night wondering if you speed it up so you can fit all the content into one episode. I'm 100% serious. They sound like cartoon voices. Um, No, I do not do that. And what might be happening is you might have accidentally hit uh, on your podcast player uh, something that, that speeds it up. I did that one time where I hit it and, and, and without my knowing I was listening to somebody else's podcast and it slowed it down and I think it was Mark Marin's podcast and I went oh no Mark relapsed he <laughs> sounds so drunk and then I realized no oh, I'm, I'm listening at half speed This is uh, from the uh, Awfulsome Moments survey, and this is filled out by uh, an agender person who calls themselves going to pass on this one, and they write, My partner and I were recently in a couples therapy session. At the end, the therapist stated she was proud of us. Inquisitive and socially clueless, I asked what she meant. She said, You both have so many mental illnesses, chronic conditions, trauma, yet... You are both so determined to heal and be whole. We giggled following the call, knowing her pride was indicative of the severity of our fucked-up realities, both a compliment and a statement of the crazy we carry. Thank you for that. This is from the uh, I Shouldn't Feel This Way survey, and this is filled out by a guy who calls himself... Uh, patty cake, and he's in his 20s was raised in a totally chaotic environment. Uh, How would you like to be remembered? Uh, He made everyone laugh. How does it feel writing that? It makes me recognize that all I really care about is helping others have a good time. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? I'd go 100 years into the future for just a few seconds to see if humanity is going to make it. If they will... I'll continue on business as usual. If not, I'll be the most hedonistic fuck since the cult of Dionysus. Dionysus? Dionysus. I feel so dumb for not knowing how that is pronounced. Dionysus. Um, I'd just like to know that everything I'm working on now won't be dashed away by a nuke before I have the chance to make an impact. I think a lot of us feel that way. Oh, that would be so terrifying. You step onto that machine, and it's just like uh, the movie The Road. by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, that is a grim fucking movie. Ooh. Um, I tell myself I'm supposed to feel good about my current relationship, but I don't. I feel trapped dwelling on my last relationship from three years ago in which I was abused. I wish I could just be happy with my partner, but instead, I'm distrusting and skeptical, waiting for the heel turn reveal that she's cheating on me, that she actually hates me, that this whole relationship has been a ruse, and every sweet moment we had has been part of a long con to torture me. How do you feel after writing your feelings out? Somehow more anxious. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? Yes and no. I think most people would be defensive if they went through what I went through, but I get the feeling that my partner is one more, hey, I just want to make sure there isn't anyone else you have feelings for conversation away from bailing. I hope that makes sense, but I get the feeling that my partner is one more, hey, I just want to make sure there isn't anyone else you have feelings for conversation away from bailing. That's kind of a tough sentence to uh, wrap my head around. Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? I've actually been part of a support group for people who face the same type of abuse that I have, and it does help to know that my experience was not unique. Hearing my ex's behavior being described in another victim's partner helps me understand the pathology. It's almost like being attacked by a shark and spending my free time studying sharks, how to identify them, how to get away from them before they notice me. Only problem with this is I can't tell the difference between normal people with issues and abusers anymore. Everyone is a potential abuser now. I'm obsessed. This isn't what healing looks like. But what if, just throwing this thought out there, this is what the beginning of healing looks like. You know, I think one of the surrenders when we get into recovery from trauma or addiction or whatever is to surrender to the schedule that recovery, healing, whatever you want to call it, takes place and that it's going to look like it's going to look because it's, in my experience, never linear. It's always circuitous and uh, confusing. And you know who told me that? Dionysus. I'm just obsessing about the fact that I mispronounced his name. Mostly that it's going to get back to him. I assume he's still alive. This is from the Shame and Secret survey, and this is filled out by a gender-fluid person who calls themselves nerd Faux life. Uh, they identify as asexual. They're in their 20s. They were raised, uh, they say, in a pretty dysfunctional environment. They were the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. I know that I was molested as a child, but I was very young. My brain protected me by completely distorting my abuser's face beyond recognition, but I'm fairly sure it was my father. I was also assaulted in college. I told my friend what happened, and she blamed me for it. I quit talking to her after that. Good for you. Uh, They've been emotionally abused. My ex-spouse gaslighted me and used to hide my meds to make me think I was going crazy. Uh, I have bipolar disorder. At one point, he even tried to have me hospitalized so he could spend more time with his side chick without my knowledge. He sounds like a good dude. He's He's a keeper. I feel stupid for falling for all of his manipulative bullshit. As I look back, there were a million red flags that I missed. uh darkest thoughts i fantasize about beating my ex-spouse with my fists until there's nothing left of his face i'm trying to move on but from time to time i feel rage take over and i'm bitter all over again darkest secrets i'm recently i uh, recently decided to get a sugar daddy to help me pay my bills because i'm tired of living in extreme poverty uh sexual fantasies most powerful to you Uh, I'm ace, and for those of you that don't know, that means asexual. So most of my sexual fantasies involve fucking machines rather than other people because orgasms are fun, but I don't care to be touched. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I'd like to tell my bigoted older sister to fuck off. I'm not sorry for being queer, and I'm not changing. What if anything do you wish for? I wish for a big ass farm with dogs and cats and a handful of goats to keep me company. I like that you threw the goats in. That's a that, that is a nice touch because you can't just have dogs and cats. I don't know if I've ever spent any time around a, a goat. Actually when we were we did an episode of Dinner and a Movie and uh uh and I did a I don't know a bit where I was talking to a goat. And they were they were kind of uh I don't know Goaty, <laughs> what a useless piece of information to share with you, that, a listener. Uh, so right now we've got the uh, how I pronounce Dionysus and my little goat story. Have you shared these things with others? Uh, my mother knows I was mo- molested as a child. She cried when I told her because she had suspected something and asked me, if there was anything happening. I was about four, so I didn't have the language or understanding to explain to my mother what was being done to me. How do you feel after writing these, these things down? I feel all right. Is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? I tell every person with a mental illness and every person with autism that the way that you exist is not a flaw or a burden. If the people around you constantly shame you for struggling, for asking for help, if they tell you that all your effort is useless, fuck them. You are worthy. You deserve better. If you can, as you are able, create distance between yourself and those toxic people. Live for yourself and no one else. That is awesome. Thank you for that. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by a guy who calls himself crumb tiny. And uh, he writes, I just heard a shame and secret survey from a person who calls himself, I wonder if I'll click submit this time. And he talked about being made to split wood um, unsupervised as a child. Snap. I was regularly sent into the cellar to do this chore alone from around the same age. If anything had gone wrong, I could have bled out before anyone knew. High five in your brother, we didn't die. And I put uh, those two in contact with each other and um, they fell in love and killed each other with axes. And I feel terrible. But it happened in a cellar so nobody's any the watch. All right, so now we got Dionysus, we got the goats, and we got the cellar. I am gonna. This is from the Shame and Secrets survey, and uh, this is filled out by a trans woman who calls herself trying so hard. She identifies as gay, she's in her 30s. She says that she was raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment, she was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. Uh, I was beaten and raped by my grandfather around the age of five. I don't know if this happened more than once, but I realize now that my mom caught him in the act. It took me years to understand why it was 17 more years until I I saw him again. No legal action was taken, and my parents never spoke of it or tried to counsel me about it. And you call that a slightly dysfunctional environment? Wow, I mean, that is a fucking horror show. It's amazing how we minimize the shit that that, that we endured. It's, it's like we, we tell ourselves, well, there was some good stuff, so that makes the bad stuff less bad. No, things can be both. Things can be both. And I'm not trying to say you're wrong or, or criticize you at all. I'm just uh, trying to um, give weight to what happened to you because I did that same thing with myself for years. It was like, no, everything was great. I went to college, you know, I blah, 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 blah. And there were things that were great about my childhood. Uh, she's been physically abused and emotionally abused. My entire childhood was physical and emotional abuse. At school and in sports, I was made fun of and beaten up. If I fought back, I was punished, and they were not. I got really good at taking a beating. I could go somewhere else while it was happening. Now, as an adult, I went many years without being abused until I became a f- professional athlete who was also trans. Despite Following every rule to the T, I am constantly being harassed and even threatened by fans of the sport. The rules should state it's okay to be trans, just don't win. You would be a good guest for this podcast if you get to if you hear this and you get to Los Angeles. Um, I would like to uh, interview you. Any positive experiences with abusers? Absolutely. I either was friends with or still am friends with some of the people who say and do hateful things. Come to think about it, in school, I was, quote, friends with many of the bullies. That's the issue. There were good times and positive influence at one point or at or all times. Darkest thoughts. I almost constantly think about ending my life. I'm in treatment, but due to head injuries and depression, it seems even on my good days I dream about a way out. Darkest secrets. I carry a pistol and knife for self-defense. But strangely, having a means to quickly end my life gives me comfort. That doesn't seem strange to me. That, that makes sense. And I don't mean I'm like, yay, carry a pistol and knife in case things get bad. I'm just talking about the thought process of that. Um, it is just, it it is mind-boggling the lack of empathy and accommodation uh, a large portion of this country has for for trans people. And I know that's not breaking news to anybody, but it just... uh, It just makes my jaw drop. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Honestly, I'm pretty much non sexual, but I dream of a girl I love sitting on my face while I give her great pleasure. Uh, My question is um, Is that ergonomic? You know, maybe that's just too much of the uh, mid century Danish perspective, but. I'm I'm concerned about the girl's lower back. Unless she gets there quickly. In which case everything's good, but um Okay, we got Dionysus. We got the goat. Uh we got the seller. And we got the uh what do you what do you call this one? The hot chair? What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? Why did you have to constantly watch, spy, and critique my every move? Everything was studied. I felt like I was in prison. Do you have any idea the paranoia I had to battle through and still have lingering problems with? What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish for a loving relationship and to not be alone. I look forward to the day I'm no longer an athlete in the spotlight and maybe I can go back to life where people don't need to know my past. I hope someday I can be just another woman walking down the street again. Have you shared these things with others? Some, yes. My therapist has heard 95% of it. I leave out something as there's no way I can chance being put in a hospital. I have a dream job and ability. I can't risk losing it. My best friends know just about everything, but they are also dealing with their own struggles, so it's kind of a weird nothingness. How do you feel after writing these things down? I feel like a functioning disaster that walks this tightrope, but is somehow keeping her balance. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Don't let yourself get to the point of a mental crisis to get help. I was forced into help, but I wish I had gotten it on my own. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. You know, one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is getting to hear the variety of ex- experiences that that people have because you know when people when people open up anonymously, it's it's like that when that's when you really get to the real stuff. Uh, this is also a shame and secret survey, and this is filled out by a woman who calls herself <laughs> confused weirdo bitch. She identifies as questioning. She's in her 20s. She says that she was raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment, uh, ever been the victim of sexual abuse. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of condense this. Um, and she's talking about a female friend that she had. uh, And she writes, I never felt unsafe with her. She was always someone I felt really comfortable with. Um, And they were out camping with a group of people. That night, I was in the bathroom and my friend barged through the door and tried to kiss me. I didn't, I really didn't want to kiss her and I tried to leave, but she blocked the door so I couldn't get out. I just remember she kept saying, I just need to see something. Some of the boys at the party started to notice and my friend eventually left the situation alone. Everyone laughed it off as a joke. For some reason, I just thought this was something she did, but I felt like nothing would come from it if I didn't want it to. A little later, the boy I was flirting with had to leave, so I went outside and we shared an innocent kiss goodbye. As I was walking back into the party, I noticed my friend was outside too. She tried kissing me again and I pushed her face away and told her no. Then she pushed me up against her car and started to kiss my neck. It felt kind of nice. I was so tired and drunk that I collapsed into her surrendering. She then stuck her hand in my pants and touched my vagina. She said it felt, quote, squishy, unquote. That was the first time anyone had touched me like that. Then she went up my skirt, shirt and touched my breasts. As much as I wanted to stop what was happening, it felt good, and I was too tired to fight it off. I don't remember how, but I know it stopped after that, and we went inside and fell asleep on the couch. The next morning, I felt so disgusted with myself. I couldn't believe I let that happen. My friend didn't mention anything on the way home until I brought it up. Uh, at first, she didn't remember either, or so she says. Then she laughed it off as something that happens between girls sometimes and said I shouldn't make a deal, a big deal about it. I went home that day feeling full of shame. I stuffed it deep inside of me and didn't tell a soul. The next weekend when we hung out with some of our uh, other friends, I was surprised to find out that they knew about what happened. My friend had told them about it and told them I liked it. I felt so vulnerable and disgusting. I didn't think I wanted it, but the fact that I stopped fighting back and even liked it a little made me question for the longest time if maybe I was partly to blame. I didn't consider it sexual assault for a really long time, thinking that girls couldn't assault other girls. I also wasn't sure if what she did was, quote, bad enough, unquote, to traumatize me. After all that happened, I subconsciously distanced myself from my friend. I didn't feel safe or comfortable with her anymore. When she would try to hug me, I would push her away, but she would try to make me feel bad about it. I also remember feeling a lot of resentment towards her and getting into a lot of arguments, but I didn't even consider not being friends with her anymore. She was more popular than me, and I really did like the friendship we had before that night. She was one of the few people I was able to open up to. Also always excused what she did because I knew she was trying to figure out her sexuality at the time. About a year after that happened, I opened up to another friend and my brother. I told them everything that happened that night and how it made me feel. I was terrified to tell them, fearing that they would think differently of me or blame me for not fighting back hard enough. After I told them, they made me realize how fucked up it really was. It was so validating to have people listen and understand without judgment. It was the first time I felt like I started to heal. That was all about eight years ago. Now, as a 24-year-old woman, I know that it doesn't matter who you are. Anyone can be a victim-slash-perpetrator of sexual assault regardless of their gender, age, sexuality, etc. No means no, and anything else can be incredibly traumatizing for someone. I still struggle with intimacy, and I'm not sure if that's just who I am, or if that happened, that, or if what happened that night is still affecting me. Sometimes I love being touched and held, but other times I freak out and feel claustrophobic, like I need to run away. I've also been exploring my sexuality lately because I've always had sexual feelings towards girls, but part of me still fears that people will think that if I date a girl, that will be proof that I really did like what happened that night with my friend. You know, an analogy just popped into into my head that that would be like somebody saying, you know, let's say you're you work uh you know, um." a car buff, uh, and somebody hit you head-on. That would be like accepting somebody saying, well, because you liked cars, you must also, that's proof that you like being hit head-on in an accident. I don't know if that makes sense. And I'm not going to add that to the Dionysus goat seller, whatever the fuck the other thing was. Any positive experiences with abusers? Absolutely, my friend and I worked together during the summers and shared lots of great memories. Darkest thoughts? I want to be more successful than my friends. I know this is fucked up and it's not like I want them to fail. I want them to be successful too, just less successful than me. I also hate myself for the way I come across in this survey. I feel so annoying. You are not annoying. This survey is awesome. And its vulnerability and um, just vibe. You seem like an awesome person. And wanting to be more successful in your friends might be one of the most common human feelings that I am aware of. And why did I pronounce it AWARE? Put that right after the seller or between the goats and the sellers AWARE. Now, right after Dionysus, darkest thoughts, uh, or darkest secrets, that maybe I'm gay, question mark. Some of my closest friends know, but for some reason I feel so ashamed of it. I'm really afraid of what my parents would think of me. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you, Uh, lesbians. How does sharing that make you feel? Shameful. When, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I want to tell my mom how much it hurts that we she won't stop drinking. I want to tell my dad how much all the critical comments he made while I was growing up have become the inner voice inside my head. You know, just based on that description of them, how could it not be terrifying to come out to them? What, if anything, else do you wish for? Uh, I wish to feel comfortable with who I am. I wish to love myself more, to feel happy, to be less insecure about who I am and have the confidence to connect better with others. Have you shared these things with others? I have with a few close friends. It always feels good to open up about these kinds of things. How do you feel after after writing these things down? I feel really exposed and kind of stupid. I also feel shocked that I've spent so much damn time on this survey. It's like I accessed this super deep part of myself that I usually don't acknowledge. And once I did, it just keeps pouring out. That is awesome. And that, in my experience, is exactly what the beginning of, of healing and connect, connection Feels like feeling exposed and st- and stupid and second guessing everything that comes out of our mouth and uh, I don't think there's any way around it around it but the beauty is is when other people accept us and are the opposite of the critical environment we grew up in that shame. And that questioning just begins to ease, and in its place becomes a, a, a feeling of intimacy and safety, and belonging, and uh, and it's really beautiful. So, high five, high fucking five. This is an awfulsome moment. And this is filled out by a woman who calls herself Mary. What kind of a name is that, Mary? That's so made up. She writes, and this is one from, uh, from way back that just uh, I love. It's such a perfect, awfulsome moment. She writes, my mother was in bed dying. She had maybe a day or two to live and was comfortably sleeping most of the time with morphine injections. I was planning her coffin. I had arranged for lots of her favorite newspapers and a shredder for a soft blanket for her to lie on. Uh, Friends were writing notes and collecting pictures to be put in with her. I was to put the coffin in the back of my station wagon and drive her to the crematorium a certain number of hours after her death, so the coffin had to fit her body and my car. Finally, she was deeply asleep as I pulled out my sewing tape and measured her dimensions. I was at her shoulders when she popped open her eyes, looked me square in the eye and said, measuring me for my coffin. I froze, not quite knowing the proper response and feeling if I didn't move, maybe I was invisible. A couple of seconds later, she closed her eyes and went back to her drugged sleep. For your information, I did have to put a pillow under her knees to make her a little shorter to fit the car. I'm sure she had a comfy ride, and yes, she was in the house for a day after her death, so lots of time to talk and adjust to the fact that I no longer had a mom. We were very close. I moved in with her for her last one and a half years, and it was the best thing I've ever done. She talked about all kinds of things. She remembered her childhood. She told her secrets. We laughed and cried. It was a sacred time. That, that is the definition of some. And for those of you that are new to the, to the podcast, that's something that's awful, but also has uh, elements of awesome. This is from the Love Survey, and this is filled out by Rosie. And she writes, I love when I put something on to wear for the first time since last season, like a warm winter coat or summer shorts, and I find something in the pocket, sometimes a cinema ticket or a receipt or a special rock I picked up on a hike. Finding these things is like a little gift from a pocket time machine sent from a slightly younger version of me. That is so awesome. I love when I'm out and about in public and I smell the familiar familiar smell of my own perfume on a stranger, like we share an entire sense of data without knowing each other. I love when my five-year-old daughter falls asleep in the car and then pretends she is still sleeping when I pull the car onto the drive so that I'll carry her into the house. She's at an age now where sadly she thinks some things are too babyish. So as I carry her, I walk slowly and cherish every step as her warm body melts into mine. As those sleepy cuddles are getting rarer and rarer, I try to absorb each one into me to hold onto them forever. That's so sweet. I love how at the support group I've just started going to, there is a man who, each time I nervously read or share, just sits there with this gentle, welcoming smile Maintaining calm eye contact throughout my sharing and making me feel like I, and all I have to say is welcomed into the group. Oh, oh, do I love that. Do I love that. This is a uh, shame and secret survey, and this is filled out by a guy who calls himself slow dancing in a burning room. He identifies as straight. He's in his 20s. Says that he was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Uh, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. He writes, my dad would always force kisses on me and my siblings, even up until I was 15. I would think of this as maybe not having enough boundaries and that he loved us so much, but he would also walk, also talk, about taking naps with my sister even when she was 12, which was right up to the time my parents divorced and we never lived or spoke to him again. I'm too scared to ask my sister what he did to her, but I have a feeling that he may have molested her. He's been physically and emotionally abused. Growing up was a double whammy with a nice mix of a narcissistic, emotionally physically abusive dad who threatened to kill me on multiple occasions, and an emotionally closed-off mother who would tell me to quit feeling sorry for myself if I had something I wanted to talk about. You learn pretty quickly to shut off all emotions. This was just the tip of the iceberg as me and my siblings with uh, being homeschooled from kindergarten to grade 12 with no structure. It was almost entirely up to ourselves as children to teach ourselves beyond grade three or four. Uh, We were on an extremely isolated property 45 minutes from the closest city with no friends or social aspect. Any positive experiences with abusers? My dad had his own hell growing up and his father uh, tried his best, although ignorantly. My mom was and continues to be very supportive of me, but between suppressing everything that happened uh, to her emotionally and always needing a scapegoat to place blame, I've grown tired of keeping in contact. It's interesting, too, that that has nothing to do with the question, any positive experiences. And I think that's one of the things that... People do is they struggle to give weight to abuse that happened, especially from caregivers. It's like, well, I don't want to throw them under the bus. So um, I'm going to make excuses for the fact that there were no positive moments with these with these people. Uh, Darkest thoughts. Uh, Famous people uh, who have committed suicide. Leaves me with an uneasy feeling about my own lifelong battle with depression that I've never diagnosed because I feel like giving it a name will validate it, but I know it's there regardless. I imagine it'll take just one slippery slope regardless of where I am in my life to end it. Uh, Wanting to kill my dad, especially when he verbally attacked my sister a few months ago, telling her to find a real job— My sister paints watercolors full-time. Darkest Secrets. Some days I wake up wanting to kill myself, and by lunchtime these thoughts are gone, but leaving me feeling like a crazy delusional person for not even being able to make up my mind. Uh, I've been in risky relationships with all kinds of people, men and women, including fucking hookers, just to feel human contact and validation. I'm not saying this to shame you, but uh, you might consider, uh, instead of using uh, the word hookers, um, sex workers. Uh, Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Dominating other people just to have one thing in my life in my control. Uh, And anything anal. I have a total fixation for butt stuff. Uh, Butt stuff, by the way, my least favorite. Oreo cookie. What if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? Uh, To go back to my parents when I was four years old, eight years old, and 12 years old and just say, why can't you see he's trying his best? He's just a kid and tries so hard to do the right thing by you, but you only ever see the negative. What if anything do you wish for? Just to live a normal life, whatever that means. I know it's so easy to compare my internal thoughts and feelings with people's external and social media, but at a certain point you just wish you had had a chance to play soccer as a kid or experienced going to college. Have you shared these things with others? Sex-wise, some attempts with girlfriends that didn't go well because I didn't actually know how to ask for it and I think would end in frustration for us both a lot of the other issues. I see a therapist weekly which has been so immensely helpful for my own well-being. How do you feel after writing these things down? A small relief. But there's always that little voice in my head saying you shouldn't complain. You don't have it as bad as other people on this show or someone will hear this and immediately recognize it's you. Thank you for sharing that. You sound like a a good dude. Who survived a fucking shit show, and um, I hope I hope you get to a place where you can um, begin to feel some compassion for yourself and a rebuttal to that mean voice in your head and that feeling of dread. Uh, this is from the voice in your head survey, and this is filled out by a woman who calls herself uh, not your not your keeper uh, what are some of the things you tell yourself about yourself I'm an unperson a bus station a stepping stone a tree to climb shelter from the rain a bottle of wholesome wine a piece of tissue paper whatever you need until you don't that was that was deep that was deep and my stomach is growling. Uh, This is from the Shame and Secret Survey, and this was filled out by a woman who calls herself asking for a friend. She identifies as bisexual. She's 20. She says that she was raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment, ever been the victim of sexual abuse. Uh, Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts, Uh, and she does not elaborate. She's been uh, writes that she's never been physically abused. Um, darkest thoughts. I often fantasize about raping, and this and this survey is a little intense. I often fantasize about raping and brutally murdering my gorgeous female coworker. Of course, I would never do this, but I can't stop myself from fantasizing about it. It's not even like I'd rape her and shoot her. It's like I'd rape her and stab her over and over again or slit her throat and watch the blood come gushing out of her neck. I hate it. It makes me feel gross. I don't know why I like to think about it. She's really hot, but I fucking hate her. Darkest Secrets I stole my brother-in-law's painkillers when he really needed them, and I'd do it again. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I fantasize about brutally murdering women after forcing myself on them. Sharing it makes me feel ten times more icky about it. I almost want to backspace everything and go to bed. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? Dad, fuck you. What, if anything, do you wish for? To die peacefully in my sleep, preferably tonight. Have you shared these things with others? My suicidal thoughts? Yes. They could give two shits if I live or die my sexual fantasies lol fuck no how do you feel after writing these things down i feel fucking insane like more than i usually do is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences me too you fucking weirdo me too thank you for sharing that man that that is intense at the stuff that is going on in your in your head and um you know, I I, um, I, I, I really hope that—I uh, mean, it doesn't sound like there's any kind of escalating behavior, that it's just uh, a fantasy, and um, sending you some love. This is from the Ask Paul Anything survey, and this is filled out by a woman who calls herself, Are We Done?, and uh, she writes, I was riveted listening to your conversation with Thomas Hayes. My husband and I have been married for a decade and together for 15 years. Over the past eight years or so, I've been going to therapy, dabbling with meditation, and incorporating somatic exercises into my weekly routine to work through childhood trauma. I'm making real progress embodying self-compassion and compassion for others, which makes my partner's hypercritical tendencies unbearable now and incompatible with the path I'm on. We tried couples therapy for a year. He wanted to be done because he felt, quote, ganged up on, unquote. He refuses to go to individual therapy or do any investigating into his own trauma and codependency slash control issues. I feel like my last hope of getting through to him is to offer him a book or two to read. He's an avid reader, but not a podcast listener, which is why I'm seeking your advice. Can you or Thomas recommend a particular book that hits on the themes Thomas talked about? Specifically, I mean bringing awareness to the emotional damage that negative critical talk and manipulative controlling behavior towards a partner can do to a marriage. I long for him to start loving himself so that he can love me in a healthier way. Neither of us have family histories of alcoholism or addiction, so I found books like Codependent No More didn't hit the mark. Um, My initial thought is um, you can't change him. And it sounds like you would rather try to change him than... Face splitting up, and while I think that is a really common thing that people in marriages that are struggling uh, do, uh, it is um, it's not it's it's not going to work. From what you described of uh, of him, he is closed off, and it is not your job to um, to change him. It's up to you to decide whether or not you want to be with him as he is. And that doesn't mean that you can't say, hey, if things don't change, I'm going to leave and then give him a little bit of time. But I think it's really important that we stick to whatever it is that we say. You know, if you don't start going to therapy, uh, I'm going to want a separation. And then stick to that because if we don't stick to that, that person um, is not only is, is that person Never going to change because they will realize that they can continue to walk over you. But you're never going to change in terms of standing up for yourself. To have your baseline emotional needs met with a partner. You deserve better. From what you've described of him, you deserve better. And I think if you get out of this marriage, and I'm not saying... You should. Um that that's your decision. Um, but if you do, I think you will feel a freedom that you couldn't imagine. Just my just my two cents. And then finally, uh, this is from the love survey, and this is filled up by a person who calls themselves. It's right behind me, isn't it? Uh, Share things you love. Sometimes when the sun streams in my window and casts rainbows across my bedspread and the music playing is soft and sweet and there's incense and candles burning and I feel safe and happy. I stand in my apartment and think about the fact that in many years I will be an old person and I will remember the apartment I lived in when I was in my 20s and all the love and friendship that filled those walls and how wonderful those times were. I love when I'm sitting in my apartment with the windows open and I can hear all the people living their lives outside and I hear someone yell, bye, I love you, drive safe. I love when I'm meeting my friend that lives one block over and I round the corner and see her and we're walking towards each other so we both start doing a silly walk until we meet halfway. I love when I'm walking down the street and I see a dog and its owner walking towards me and when we pass the dog looks back at me like it could tell I was delighting in its existence. I love the moments when I'm out in public and something weird happens and the stranger next to me and I can look at each other with expressions that say are you seeing this shit? And it unites us for a moment. I love when I can tell that somebody is really truly listening to me and cares about what I have to say. And I love when I'm listening to someone and they can tell and they relax and the energy of the conversation shifts into something just a little more intimate, a little more holy. I love spending a day deep cleaning my house. I'll rearrange things, open the windows to get some fresh air, change the sheets on my bed, then I'll take a hot, hot shower, purposefully trying to be very mindful about it. And I feel the water melting the grime of the day off me. And I smell the soap and see the steam. And I shave my legs so that when I slide into bed, the fresh sheets will feel so silky smooth on my skin. And I just know that I'm gonna sleep deeply And peacefully. I love the squirrel that I see running up the power lines about nine in the morning and back down again around six in the evening. I like to pretend that he has a job and that I'm seeing him on his commute. He always stops outside my window just long enough for me to admire him and say, hey little guy, you're so cute. Good luck. I love it when I have a moment where I can recognize how I've healed and grown when I can look back on all the suffering and hard times I've been through and feel so thankful that I made it here today and so excited to see what's going to come next. Those are fucking awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, I was going to take the entire month of December uh, off, but um, I've decided uh, to do uh, an episode Obviously, this week and uh, and next week and just uh, and then maybe take some time off after that. I don't know why I'm sharing it with you. I guess let's add that to Dionysus and uh, and all the other shit. And let's uh, let's get out of here before I fuck this up even more, huh? If you're out there and you're feeling stuck and alone, you are not. Did you like that dramatic pause? You are so not alone. There are our families out there. It's just a matter of uh, finding them. And there is nothing, nothing like human connection and intimacy and a feeling of emotional safety. Nothing like it. And uh, thanks for listening. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know in some is weird bizarrely width. beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.